Report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. This is it. He laser clickers. Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Today, we're going to be discussing and reviewing the next episode of The Resistance, Resistance Episode 7, titled Signal from Sector 6. And I'm realizing, you see, we just started this podcast. I messed up the intro for the previous attempt, and it's because it's, it's Episode 7 and Sector 6. Exactly. Yeah, that is a tongue twister, is, isn't it? They're, uh, they're pulling a fast one on you, Stephen. All I'm trying to say is the people at Disney and Lucasfilm really need to stop monkeying around here, okay? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, that was, oh, oh, that was a good one. That was my only monkey pun that I can come up with on short notice. But <laughs> Steele would have been proud. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, William, there's a particular announcement that I think we should talk about first. How cool wow, is this? Wow, this was a shock. I, I don't know about you guys. I was not expecting this. Um, th- this week, Lucasfilm announced that there is going to be a new live action series debuting on Disney Plus. That's the name for Disney's upcoming TV uh, streaming uh, streaming service, uh, starring Diego Luna as Cassian Andor. It's going to be a prequel series to Rogue One. It's being billed as a uh, as a as like a spy thriller, which sounds just amazing interesting i think it sounds great yeah it's it's gonna be the it follows the adventures of rebel spy cassian andor during the formative years of the rebellion and prior to the events of rogue one a star wars story and diego luna will be reprising his role man this sounds so cool it says the rousing spice thriller will explore tales filled with espionage and daring missions to restore hope to a galaxy in a grip of a ruthless empire a release date for the series has not been announced yeah, but still, it's more Star all, Wars. All I'm hoping is it's not at the same time as The Resistance and not at the same time as The Mandalorian because I don't know how we can review three shows at the same time. <laughs> so my suspicion, <laughs> I, I suspect am, they're going to alternate. Concerned. We'll <laughs> yeah, we, we, yeah, it's we going to be very difficult for us to get to all these. But um, I suspect they're going to alternate these shows. We're going to have The Mandalorian, and as soon as The Mandalorian wraps its first season, then we'll get the Cassian Andor that's my guess as well, especially that since we know series. the Mandalorian's what ten episodes. Yeah, so it'll be pretty short, and so I think yeah. I think basically it's going to be that um, it's going to be the hook for Star Wars fans to want to keep subscribing during the off months for the Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, not much is known about the series at this point, aside from the fact that it'll star Diego Luna. We don't know who the you know director is, uh, executive producers, or anything, but. Um, Man, I mean, I, I don't know about you guys. I loved Cassian Andor in I, Rogue One. I thought, I thought it was a great character. I'm looking forward to this one. I think with this one, there is so much backstory they could tell. Oh yeah, can't wait. Mm-hmm. It's tons, tons it's of potential be- to go. It's almost kind of like what uh, I think Rebels and Resistance tell a more personal story mm-hmm. um, set kind of it, it, it's part of the during during the rebellion or during the resistance but it's still um it's set on a, on a on a kind of an off planet somewhere else you know uh like mm-hmm. Lothal or castellan where it's not really in the center of the conflict it's kind of and eventually 
uh, Lothal get, does get wrapped up increasingly uh, mm-hmm. in the rebellion. Um, but this one is going to be, I suspect, a lot more of those, you know, okay, we're in the rebellion already, going on missions, uh, you know, spying, ac- doing ac- actual spying, <laughs> Kaz. Yeah, um, yeah, Kaz. I don't... Kaz is a great spy. What are you talking about? Oh, really? No, wait, okay. Best spy. Uh, Nothing, not, uh, anyways. Okay, now I, I, I think thinking, it's going to be cool. It yeah, sounds and I was great. just thinking about this. Do you have a feeling now we get to see any reference to the Bothans in this? Because remember, the Bothans have been off limits for years. And now it's like, are we going to see them as a species like we know from the expanded universe? Or is Bothans, let's just say, now in the new universe a spy network like Fulcrum, even though people are saying he is a Fulcrum, could he be a Fulcrum within the spy network of the Bothans? Hmm. I mean, the, 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 the Bothans, at least as far as the, you know, the, um, the famous line goes, they were before Return of the Jedi, but there's no reason why the spy network couldn't be in existence before. Spy network can well. be for years and years and years. Cause right. whenever you try and infiltrate, you know, any kind of government agency or network, you have how many years to build up, you know, your your internal resources. So this could be, Absolutely. let's just say, it's laying the groundwork of the Bothans at this point. Yeah, but there's there's a lot of potential here, and and yeah. it means that so cool. with Disney Plus, we're now getting the end of the Clone Wars. Yep, we're getting mm-hmm. the Mandalorian, and we're getting the resist. And we're getting um, uh, this new TV show. It's really hard not to have a name for the the, the yeah. Cassian Andor series. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if I can name this one. Um, yeah. yeah, and th- those are all we're talking Man, the stuff they're working on just sounds amazing for the streaming mm-hmm. service, especially if they're trying to hit the, the the price target, the rumored price target of like, you know, seven, six to $8 probably, maybe nine or 10, but they're trying to undercut Netflix. Yeah. And that's, and that's Star Wars. That's before you count uh, Marvel, Marvel and... You know the classic Disney, like you know, and the Mickey Pixar stuff, and the Pix and Pixar and Disney princesses, and you know all that. Like, it's a great deal for Disney Plus. And let's not forget all the stuff that may be coming over from the Fox deal whenever that thing That's ends. True. That's true. Yep. So I, I have no doubt that the service is going to be a good deal that people are going to want to subscribe to. Um, but we'll see. I am very yep. excited about the show, and hopefully, they're putting as as much effort behind it as the Mandalorian. I suspect they are. Yeah. So with that, you Tom, know, there, wait a minute, wait a minute. There is one other thing that you missed. Oh, there was news about the Mandalorian too. Did oh you yes. Actually cast You're, the Mandalorian? Right. You're right. So oh, wow. has not been confirmed by Lucasfilm. Uh, however, uh, numerous entertainment, uh, sites, I, Hollywood reporter right now. Yep. I have right here says is wasting no time finding out who is attached to John Favreau's new series. Supposedly, they just signed Gina Carano, and if you remember Deadpool, she played. Yeah, I saw that as well. Yeah, mm. yeah. So that that came out today. Yeah, supposedly and... from Hollywood Reporter, and then she's joining Pedro Pascal. Yep. Pa- yeah, Pedro so that, Pascal. That's what. Yeah, who Pascal. Be, who will be so, in the lead? And yeah. hopefully, he wears his helmet. <laughs> <laughs> I have no doubt that he will. It is kind of funny that like they they've now been filming for a few weeks, and we have yeah. zero. This is like the first casting information we've had about this show that's um, not unusual though most of the time i feel like they're pretty good about keeping that type of stuff out of uh leaks and things like that yeah i would think not very rarely actual... you get a photo or two 
But it's your actual lead that you normally announce. Like right now, yeah. you know, bringing back Diego Luna for the Cassian Andor series, they flat out announced he's coming back. But to get this far into production on The Mandalore and then just now say, hey, this is the actor doing it, bringing in other actors along the way, that's kind of a natural process. Right. But to keep your lead this secret up until this point. I wonder if they ended up recasting because we know they've been filming. And if Pedro Pascal is The Mandalorian, were they filming with him for a few weeks and just didn't announce it un- until now? Because, it, you know, in the, the Variety article, for example, they, they say that, um, you know, he's he's been offered the role and negotiations are underway, which is Interesting. a little odd considering that supposedly the character he's playing has been being filmed for weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, the other thing to keep in mind is Unless he it's is a stunt double likely or, masked and, yeah. you know, you can yeah, probably or, or, or he was recast one of the two. Yeah. It, and it could be underneath the mask of the Mandalore. That could be the stunt double. And they did a lot of the stunt work first before they actually had to have the mask come off. True. So that's a possibility too. Very There's true. lots of options. Yeah. Either way, the way. Hollywood works is amazing. Uh, I, I, I'm getting more and more excited for the Mandalorian. And, uh, and of course now the, the Cassian Andor series just sounds so, so cool. Yeah. So I, I cannot wait. Um, but we'll, it'll probably be good. I wouldn't be surprised if right. the service debuts next fall. We'll get the Mandalorian starting next fall, and then this series starts in the spring or something like that. Look, I know Cassian's an amazing spy, but we all know he's not the best spy. That role obviously belongs to Kaz. I'm blanking out his last name. Ziono. Oh, God. Ziono. Oh. Yes. He is. And I, 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 I hear, Tom, that he received yes. a mysterious signal from Sector yes. 6. And, Why don't and you tell us about this episode? Yeah, <laughs> I, I see what you're trying to do, and you're throwing it to me, and here we go. Um, tonight, we're going to be talking about Resistance Season 1, Episode 7. He gets a signal from Sector 6. This was an episode written by Brandon Auman and directed by Sergio Paez. Now, when out on a routine training exercise, a distress signal sends Kaz and Poe to a damaged ship with strange life forms aboard. Ooh. Tom, I just have to ask though: Is the episode title "He Gets a Signal from Sector 6? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just decided to throw that in there because it sounded better. But I'm technically, you the title time. is called "Signal from Sector 6. I know. I'm Say that's giving you a hard task. Uh, not the mood right now, but that correct answer. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> oh God. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yes. Yeah, I like the premise of this the this episode though. You know, Kazan bringing back Poe Dameron, uh, voiced I, by Oscar I, Isaac. I totally agree with the premise of the episode, but there's a couple things in it that you're just like, I was on board for the first like ten minutes. And actually, what's worse is I started watching the episode this morning and then finished when I got home, and I stopped at apparently the exact wrong moment. Oh. <laughs> Where I was like, oh, man, this is a really good episode. We got a really cool spy adventure. There's this really creepy thing going on on the ship. Probably Rathtars or maybe a Rancor. Yeah, I was hoping uh, for a no. Rathtar. Not any of those things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Shall we just... Shall, shall let's, we literally... Let's start, from, let's start from the beginning. Okay. Because I, I, was, I was wondering if we wanted to get the monkey off our backs right now. You instead know, of... That's... Now, you know what, Tom? Fine. Let's get the monkeys off our back. Yeah, let's get the monkeys so, off our back. Through 
various hijinks, they make their way onto the uh, an abandoned freighter. Monsters abound. Uh, Kaz is attacked by a series of monkey lizards. Yeah, basically a bunch of salacious crumbs. Kawaki yeah, that- monkey lizards. Excuse me. <clears throat> well, I liked them. I liked the Kawaki monkey lizards. I'll, I'm I'm just gonna say it. I I enjoyed it. They okay, they had finish. a you know we we've seen Salacious Crumb and he's like the the jester in right. Jabba's palace and we've seen Kawaki and monkey lizards with Hondo Anaka. Um, again, uh, a little more on the. I think those are a little more. That that guy's a little, he's a little uh, a little more. I don't want to say evil, but uh, you know. Okay. Mean spirited times, just, or he he uh, fits Hondo well. Let's put it that way. Yeah, he fit he fits Hondo well. But I think what lost me within this episode was the one that ended up being like this big giant ape. If you kept him being, oh, I was it lost me before then. Uh, well, really, what, it was how, a, how, okay. the, the hijinks were a little bit too much. I felt um, I could take the hijinks. That was the thing. The hijinks I didn't have a problem with because if you're treating them like regular chimpanzees or, or monkeys, and when you you watch the videos and sometimes they only show the silly stuff you i can accept that but when the ape came out that's when i'm like it would have been it, much better if there were wrath tars that was it was pushing it i mean yeah 100 percent pushing it yeah and i get they're going for the the comic reveal of oh it's you know something really scary is in the ship oh it's a giant monkey lizard I mean, I, that was, technically was still scary I like the because twist it was chasing on how him and it actually did. Sorry, Kowak- it actually did take those two pirates. Mm, yeah, and I like the twist on how the Kawaki and Monkey Lizards aren't all just goofy, right? These guys were were actually pretty creepy, and they mm-hmm. they were jumping on Kaz and and Poe and BB-8, and, uh, and and they were they were pretty scary. Now, I, I've they, never. They, they were- Go ahead. No, finish. Because I, I, I have. I'm gonna continue. Go ahead. Now, I, I think the Kowakian monkey. Sorry, the Kowakian ape was a a surprise. Yeah. Um, I don't know why they call don't call it a Kowakian ape lizard, but um, yeah, uh, the Kowakian ape was definitely unique. But it was also like a nice, a nice twist. It was like a giant Kowakian mon- monkey lizard. I don't know. I, I, I guess I guess it didn't it didn't bother me. I actually liked. I thought it was a refreshing take on the the creatures. Personally, okay. but you guys the, don't have to agree. <laughs> yeah, the, the tonal shift for me, I think, was just a little much. We went from this very creepy mm. kind of uh, there's monsters abound into this very comedic uh, and, you know, I would say classic for the resistance. Like, right. you know, uh, monkey lizards climbing over Kaz and running after him with a gun and just all those types of things. Mm. And it was just it was a little too much for me. And, the, and the I also think the other thing about this, I think thinking back on the episode, the atmosphere to pull this off wasn't, it was creepy, but it wasn't creepy enough. We've seen enough within Rebels, especially when it came to the Night Sisters, that if they wanted to do creepy, they could do creepy. And this just seemed like it, it brushed the surface, but it didn't push it enough, because I think if that was the case, to see this ape come out probably would have been a better reveal if the atmosphere was just that little bit creepier instead of just there's cages all over the place. The, the mood lighting wasn't there. The, the debris was there, which was fine, but it just didn't have that impact that, that 
probably it lacked to make it work for me. Hmm. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as as we were watching it, I especially before the Kwaki and Monkey Lizards appeared, and and even actually to some extent after they did, I was mm-hmm. I was certain that it was going to be Hondo Anaka. Maybe we're going to get an I, old Hondo Anaka who's been pillaging this 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 freighter. And the he brought the Kwaki and Monkey Lizards with him. I thought it was going to be Hondo and Aka. And so mm-hmm. I was a little disappointed when it wasn't Hondo. But at the same time, that's okay. Hondo doesn't have to be in every every series. I will say, yeah. I would have 100% have been on board for that. I, I'd have been on board. But for me, that probably would have been a little bit of left field. I don't know why. I didn't expect Hondo in this one at all. Because if you're... It, it also depends on the situation of what was happening on board that freighter, which we ended up finding out the pirates actually appeared to have attacked that freighter to try and get to the cargo because there were two pirates that did get taken by that Kwaki and ape. And for me, if Hondo was in that situation, I wouldn't have bought it. I, I especially at this point of the, of the, of the season, mm-hmm. if he came on later and if somehow there were hints that Hondo is going to be part of the resistance, or part of the series, I'd have bought it. But if he just appeared out of nowhere, it would have been great. Loved every minute of it. But it just felt like at this point, it just wouldn't have fit. That's right. fair. That's fair. Yeah. Well, um, Poe was certainly with you guys because he 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 clearly hated the Quacky and Maquila. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, um, I'm just gonna assume that Poe now has an actual fear of monkeys because uh, yeah. I just imagine that being like his his Indiana Jones moment, like I hate snakes. It's just that that's Poe's thing. I hate monkeys. He just has this huge fear of monkeys. But uh, uh, fun fact though, the monkeys were actually played by none other than Dave Filoni. Uh, really? Yep. Yeah, uh, who has been known to voice characters occasionally, as well as uh, Chopper, know, the excellent sound designers David Acord and Matthew Wood. So. Mm-hmm. Um, very there's cool. Some, Very there's nice. some talent behind those, those Kawaki and monkey lizards. That's yeah. For sure. Now, now to now to jump back a bit because we jumped forward to get the the monkey out of the room. Um, I think the fascinating thing about this episode was Kaz was actually going to be going on a mission with Poe, mm-hmm. and it was sold as being a salvage mission. What did you guys think of them meeting basically off the Colossus in the clouds, and? how basically they had to get Kaz into his X-Wing. I definitely saw it as like, this is something that Resistance continues to do well, which is like, when you can take so many of the shots out of the, the show and just make them like paintings. Right. It's a beautiful show. And like oh. the shots of like mm-hmm. Kaz jumping into his X-Wing midair all just looks really cool. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the sunset you know, shots over the water just absolutely absolutely gorgeous and it makes mm-hmm. sense that poe would want to you know poe wouldn't want to just show up on the colossus all the time and so he yeah. gets yeager to to bring kaz out to the middle of nowhere uh, and then so especially with the x-wing right he can't he can't land two x-wings on well, uh, on the colossus very true so they bring that mm-hmm. ship out there and uh they can kind of have some fun and do some training exercises and it's a good opportunity to 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 have poe chat with uh kaz since this is the first time poe's been back in town since he left kaz yeah Mm. but but do you buy i gotta throw this out there do you buy that kaz is doing a good job as a spy 
I mean, so far, so far, what what has he done to get information to Poe that is really anything that was worthwhile to this point? I mean, I know we're only seven episodes in. You can't expect the episode to just hit all cylinders within the seven episodes. But I mean, he has made progress. He's found that the First Order is is trying to do business with Captain Doza. Mm-hmm. He's found out uh, about these uh, about the dealings of Kylo Ren and how he has, you know, killed these this entire village. That is on true. Tar. That's very true. So he's he's definitely done. He's he's made some progress. However, I, I do think they're overselling his abilities just a bit. Mm-hmm. Although to yep. Kaz's credit, he even calls out in this episode, like he's like, "I'm a pilot. I'm not. I'm not a spy." Right. Um. And and maybe that's for for whatever reason, Poe and his infinite wisdom uh, realized that uh, this is the best way to get intel intelligence, and that's to send Kaz. And I. I don't necessarily understand it yet, choice. but there it, might be a good reason mm-hmm. long term. Well, okay, but then I'll throw this out there as well. Do you think Poe is basically the guy? Poe sent Kaz there to cover for the real spy that's on the Colossus. BB-8? And, well, you know, it. put it this way. It could be Tam. It could be Jaeger. Jaeger. You know, it could be really, or it could be the the guy who runs the Colossus. You never know, or or it could be, oh God, Niku. Potentially, I mean, the, the, there's I, there's there's one thing about the character. Sorry to interrupt, but there's one thing about yeah. the character Kaz. It's kind of like at this point, it's like I'd like to see at this point him get a little bit more confident. And, and the the writing make him start getting a little bit more confident in his abilities instead of always being well and e ah oh it's like you know what if you're supposed to be here as a spy you pull some things off which is great but you know you, you got to start you know getting more comfortable it's like it's getting seven episodes in it's like I've seen some growth but it seems like there's more the character needs to do and they need to back off some things on the character. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, I I do agree. I feel like Kaz can be a little over the top at times. Yeah. My hope is that that changes. It's, In the case of Rebels and Clone Wars, we had much younger characters who were growing up uh, right. in the show. Kaz is 20, so it's a little bit harder to see how he might grow out of that. Um, It also just could be the age group that the show's aimed at. Honestly, very true. I mean, I, I've, I've also, I've said that before and that's when, when I watch the episode, that's something that, you know, to keep in mind, it is the age group they're going for, because when you take a look at Nico and some of the stuff that he does, it's kind of like that age group silliness that, that they're aimed for. Right. And well, even, even yeah, the very beginning of the episode, right. Where, yeah. where, you know, Kaz is where Bucket wakes up Kaz with a giant, you know, horn. Yep. And Kaz hits his head and then he can't figure out how to make coffee and he's just hitting the same button over and over and over until Cam walks up and hits the right make coffee? button. Coffee is the easiest thing to make. Like this all very slapsticky. Yeah. Um you know, and, and And I say I say that with tongue in cheek, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not bad. It's just aimed at I think a different age. That's all. Yeah. Oh, it absolutely is. Yeah, that's, it is. And that's okay. That is okay. <sighs> Star Wars doesn't have to be it doesn't always have to be aimed at every single age. But as older fans, we can still enjoy parts of the show. 
Uh, I agree. Oh, yeah. I think totally there's agree. there's room for a little bit more out of Kaz, though. Yeah. Like, and we've yes. even seen episodes where I felt like we saw a much more mature, not Kaz. subtle, but like a more mature Kaz and one who I don't know has is just a little more interesting, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word. No, and I, I, I just, totally agree. I this think... episode especially was a lot of Kaz makes Kaz makes a mistake and then makes another mistake. And mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Right. Right. Part you of know, me wonders, then, though. Oh, sorry, go. go ahead. Nope. Go ahead. Part of me wonders if, you know, kind of going back to who's the real spy, if BB-8 has a larger role. Because so far, he hasn't done a whole lot right now. Mm-hmm. Um, just to be totally honest. He, oh, yeah. nothing that another droid couldn't have done. Um, I, sorry, I'm going to, can I derail you for a please, moment? Please, please yeah, do. Go ahead. What did you guys think of, what was it, CB-23? Yeah. I I liked it, and there's a part of me that thinks if when BB-8 goes away, do you guys have a feeling that CB-23 is going to take over that? Uh, that would, I was actually because we've talked about this yeah. before. Like we know BB-8 needs to leave at some point because right. he can't he can't be around. No, he this can't entire time. Right. I honestly thought that BB-8 was going to leave. In this like one. that CB was going to be the new BB-8. Yeah, mm-hmm. and agree. that may still be the case. And uh, they kind of set it up. That they might way wait because... a bit longer, but yeah. But but yeah yeah Tom you're right they set it up where yeah. CB23 was initially very um he, he was uh she he, she yeah he which, was he didn't really like Kaz all that much and even when when Poe gets back right he the first things he he says were you know hey buddy uh, how you doing you missed me and he, he was actually talking to BB8 not Kaz mm. so part like I just have to wonder why why would Poe just not give Kaz CB-23? Why did BB-8 have to go to Castellan? Because so far, everything BB-8 has done could have been done by CB-23. So there has to be a reason. Maybe BB-8's the spy. Maybe BB-8 is more trustworthy in some way, although it's a droid. But maybe he's more trustworthy in that... And Poe knows he can rely on BB-8 to kind of take care of Kaz. I don't know mm. what it is, but I'm it is odd this. that he would give up his droid to mm-hmm. this unknown mm-hmm. character and then get a new temporary droid instead of just giving the temp droid straight to Kaz. Okay, but how, how about this? Take, take it from this point of view. You're starting a brand new show that is supposed to run right up to The Force Awakens. Everybody's already seen The Force Awakens. So what would be a logical thing to kind of bridge the two shows? You need a character, and the easiest character that you could put on a new show to get you to uh, The Force Awakens would be BB-8, because are you really going to take um, uh, Poe and... Pay, oh, God, I forgot his name, which it's no... Uh, Isaacs. You're going to pay him to do a series, animated series, do voiceover work, or basically put a droid to bridge the gap, because all you got to do is just beep, boop, beep, bop, bop, and then bring uh, Isaacs back every once in a while to fill in to keep the bridge going to get to uh, the Force Awakens. Oh, that's a hundred percent. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then I see at this point when it comes to CB twenty three, it seems like, at least from the episode how I've read this, that Kaz has got himself basically an X wing. You can say that that X wing is probably will be seen again if he ever needs Art, to use it. Does uh, he? Does he keep well, the X-wing? Po took well, no, it. he doesn't. He doesn't. But but I see it this way. Again, I've always said 
if you call attention to something, use it. Because there was a thing when he was in the X-Wing, again, he was trying to do the, what I called the Poe maneuver, that Poe tried <laughs> to show him this maneuver, slide. Kaz didn't do it. Yeah. So I, I look at it as that X-Wing at some point is going to return with well, Kaz in it. He does use the maneuver at the very end. Right. But, but I think that at some point within this series, you'll see that X-Wing again. And I also think you're going to see the CB-23 take over for BB-8. Mm. The, the X-Wing could be anywhere. But whenever that X-Wing is needed again, I kind of see that now as that's his X-Wing and CB-23 is now his droid. Yeah. Although yeah. he did damage his his X wing by doing those <laughs> t- test yeah. maneuvers. Well, pra- that was, practice that makes was another. Uh, that was another one of those examples where I was like, Kaz is like thus far, Kaz's redeeming quality has been he's a good pilot and right. his heart mm-hmm. and right. a big I, heart. And I feel like they kind of removed the piloting aspect in this episode. Like, I mean, to be fair, maybe it was a new it was a new maneuver, and not just because you're a good pilot doesn't mean you're excellent at. I, you're not wrong. All maneuvers. But it, was a, it looked like a pretty simple maneuver. It did. Uh, simple. Well, well, we were we we were not in the X wing to even try and attempt it, especially look, in space. Tom, I've done a lot of. I don't remember what it was called. It's okay. Uh, I just called tail slides. Maneuver. There you go. I've done a lot of tail slides in my time. Not a tricky maneuver. <laughs> okay. I don't know. It also just doesn't seem very for for a for an organization like the Resistance that doesn't have a lot of resources. Flying through an asteroid belt and just practicing a backwards tail slide seems kind of risky, especially since he literally scratched the X wing every single time he flew. <laughs> he tried I- it. I will say, I was actually a little disappointed. I was really hoping Poe was going to, because he started talking about, like, you know, a tail slide. I was like, is this going to be the maneuver we see him use in The Last Jedi? Like, that would actually be a really neat one. Oh, that would be cool. That's true. But no. (laughs) Oh, wow. Alas, not to be. I did like the the whole beginning. I I really liked it with with Poe and and Kaz, because it, you know, Poe Doe definitely lends the show some of that legitimacy in the star wars universe and Poe's is such a great character and he he felt so much like his force awakened self in this episode especially with oscar isaac voicing him yeah he did and the shots of just two x-wings you know flying through uh space very very cool looking I, i would love to see more of that type of thing um but unfortunately it was it was not to be. It was. It was fairly short because then they find the. Yeah, because the when Darius they, they found that freighter, freighter, I mean, it it seemed like the the rest of the episode just took place on that freighter. Mm-hmm. Plus, it was interesting when they said there were multiple life forms aboard. I was, I was kind of hoping when they said multiple life forms, it would be more of the crew, mm-hmm. not the the monkey lizards. But I think when it came to you guys were expecting Hondo, when you guys brought that up, I thought it was going to be. Um, what's her name? Sonara. When they actually found her, yeah. When they found Sonara in the crate, when you guys said, "Well, it's Hondo," I would have expected that to be Hondo in the crate, Mm. not just be, "Oh, gentlemen." I would expect him to be the one in the crate hiding from the monkey lizards. What did you think of Sonara? Or or, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Well, go ahead. I thought she was fine. Like, clearly, they're setting up Sonara for something later. Oh, clearly. Clear, especially at the end. Especially at the end. I mean, so, given that the next episode is called 
<laughs> Sonara's score. <laughs> they yeah. definitely will. Okay, so uh, clearly, I look, I've been putting the clues together. <laughs> and there's this one scene where she like has this glint. And I think it means the next, yeah. like, I think she's going to have a big role to play. It's funny. Mm-hmm. Actually, when we first saw her, um, because they didn't say her name until much later in the episode, I didn't realize that she was the same Mary Allen that, that was in the Triple Dark. Um, I was like, wow. I, my initial thought was just, wow, there's a lot of Mary Allens in this, in this show. Uh, and then I realized that she is the, that, that pilot, the purple pilot we see in Craig and Gore's uh, fleet as they're trying to land on Castellan, mm-hmm. um, which makes a lot more sense. And they, they definitely kind of tipped their hand a bit for the eagle-eyed eagle-eyed viewers um but i thought it was interesting how they it it sounds like this was not intentional she she really was overrun by the kawakian ape and the kawakian monkey lizards and you know her her two uh compatriots were killed and boy yeah and she just got very lucky that she was rescued and and taken to the colossus um, and now the funny thing is technically on the Colossus, there's two spies, one that's supposed to be a spy and one that was inadvertently put in a position to spy and help the pirates. All right. And of course, Craig and Gore is, is thrilled now that, you know, he, he has a, an agent on Castellan, um, which is also such, setting up a very fascinating dynamic because uh, Kaz really li- seems to like Sonara and, and, and wants to help her. Um and and even Yeager offers to to help. I mean, he basically vouches for her. She has no identification. He vouches for her, uh, registering her for the on the Colossus so that she can stay on the ship, um, and in the process, letting a a mole onto the onto the station. Yeah. So it's gonna. That, I, I think it's gonna hit Kaz hard. I I think so, and I think. Mm-hmm. Do you think at this point now that there is a mole on the Colossus that the show may pick up a little bit more? I hope so. Yeah. Although, to be I fair, agree. I I actually felt like that had been happening already. And like the previous two episodes, I thought were surprisingly good. And mm. this one, it just I felt like it's loaded down a little again. Yeah. And, and I think there's still a lot to cover. I mean, within this first season, they've introduced so many characters at even mm-hmm. the beginning of the show. They introduced like the aces and, and all these racers and all this stuff. And it seems we've like barely seen them. Yeah. It, it, we, we've barely seen anybody of everything that they've introduced. It's almost like, you know, why not just focus, which they are on the core group right now. And don't, don't even, even before the show start, introduce all these characters that, you know, we'll see like, May or episode seven, maybe episode fifteen or something like that. I mean, the bar patrons probably would have been much easier to introduce to everybody first because it's where he hung out mostly, not so much the racers. So yeah. it'll be interesting going forward because there's a lot they have to cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, but you know, overall, I thought this was a a fun episode. They had some nice things in the background as well, like the I don't know if you guys noticed the crates in the hallway were the puffer pig cages from Rebels. Oh, I, oh, I missed that. Yeah. Miss that. And CB23 is actually a reference to Carrie Back, the VP of development at the Lucasfilm Story Group. So, um, 
some you know little hidden things there for that's nice fans to try to pick up on but you know now they've they've managed to rescue sonara but uh and, and escape the pirates but um you know who uh who knows what's what gonna will happen, happen next they've released a mole on the station they have inadvertently uh, yeah well tom what did uh what did you think of this episode overall I thought for what it was, I, I've got to give it a 6.5. I really think they've got a long way to go. And it, it seems like they're they're trying to pick up the pace. But I think there's a lot more pacing to keep it moving forward that hopefully it'll pick up more. Um, I liked it. You know, it was fun to watch. Um, I, I'm going to take my 6.5 Womp Rats and... You know, it wasn't just the Kowakian lizards that were running around that ship. There were the 6.5 Womp Rats that are running around the ship as well. Was there a, womp, a giant Womp Rat? Actually, the small Womp Rats were the ones that took down those two pirates, not the monkey lizard. Nice. Yeah, because the monkey lizard actually gave them, you know, respect, man. That's why you never saw them, you know. But <laughs> actually, the monkey lizard actually ate them after you took down the other guys. The, the, anyway. Next. Wow. That didn't work. Eh, <laughs> you know, it happens. I know. Uh, who wants to go next? <sighs> I guess I'll go. I think I'm also going to give it a 6.5 out of 10. And it's really the first uh, 10 minutes, uh, eight minutes or so of the episode, I would give like an eight. And the last 10 minutes or eight minutes or whatever it is, I would give like a four. And so they average out to about a 6.5. Um, okay. The monkey lizard is just... They really didn't do it for me, unfortunately. Um, and I kind of struggled with it. And uh, But overall, like, it, you know, I'm hoping that the stuff with Sonara sets up another kind of plot line will continue to move things forward and it will be, you know, helpful and produce some good episodes. Uh, and, you know, just to really stick it to the monkey lizards, uh, I'm not going to kill six and a half monkey. Uh, wow. I'm going <laughs> to kill six and a half monkey lizards instead of and just let my six and a half womp rats go free. Because I think it would have been a better episode with them instead. On the ship? On the ship, yeah. Where they wow. will eventually run out of air and die. Minor details. <laughs> it's it's the it's the wow. act that matters, William, not the results. That's true, that's true. Um Yeah, I think you know, I I like this episode. I, I like seeing the Quacky and Monkey Lizards in a different light. I loved seeing Poe back. Uh it wasn't I, I, I feel like the the description in the past has the, the synopsis for the prior episodes have kind of undersold the episodes. I think as we talked about last week, this one, I almost feel like it oversold it. Maybe just our, our expectations, you know, mm-hmm. trying to cover the, what could they be this mysterious signal and pose back. And there's a lot of stuff, um, but it was still fun. It, it was still fun. And so I'm going to give this a seven, uh, seven Womp Rats out of 10. And my seven Womp Rats are all going to do an air transfer and jump into the um, into the X-wing from the uh, from from Yeager's ship. That was an interest. That's one thing that we didn't cover. I thought that was interesting because wasn't it? Didn't post it there until cast was like, wait a minute, didn't you learn this at the academy on mm-hmm. how to do something like this? I never expected them to literally jump into the X-wing like that. Never. It was cool. I mean, Kaz didn't actually cool. do it. BBA just pushed him in, but it was really cool. Yeah. 
So now there's seven Womp Rats running around in an X-Wing. Yeah. I mean, that's what that's actually how Poe flies the spare X-Wing. Um, Got it. It's not remote controlled. Uh, it's so it wasn't CB-23, it was CB-23. the Womp Rats. It's actually seven Womp Rats. Because seven, oh, seven Womp Rats equal one person. There you go. So, okay, that works for me. I'm good. Um, but yeah, next next week we have season one, episode eight, Sonara's Score on a mission to repair a vital platform defense. Kaz befriends the mysterious Sonara and comes under attack by pirates. Wow, they are not wasting any time. And hopefully at this point it will start picking up. Oh, I, I, it sounds like it is. I mean, yeah. Sonara's, the whole getting Sonara onto the Colossus, I think is just a, they're getting the the the, the pieces in place. Yeah. They now have the, they have the resistance and the first order and play and the pirates. Um, and they're just, I think they're getting ready to use all these, all these exciting pieces. I can't wait to see what cool. they do. Be interesting. So, uh, yeah. So with that, we'll be back, uh, later this week with our review of Sonara's score. Thanks for listening and may the force be with you. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. For over a decade, Ion Cannon has covered every corner of the saga, from the films and animated series like The Clone Wars and Rebels, to books, comics, games, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, ioncannoncast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter. To email us, you can do so at contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.